Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor V. Hi, Road to Growth listeners. Today I have Ivana. And if you've listened before, you know I have a horrible time at saying last names. This is not going to be any sort of exception. It's a long one. It starts with the N. Ivana, why don't you say the rest of it? <laughs> there we go. We got that. See, it was like we did together. It was teamwork. I uh, like that. She is uh, the founder of Gifting Made. It's a simple, easy idea. Yet, I think most of us that own our own business probably don't do it. And we need that person that can keep us accountable and take it. Be that cyber stalker. And uh, make sure that your clients and referral partners know how much you care about them. Thank you, Ivana, for being here. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, so you're um, you're originally from Poland and then came over here with your family at a, a young age, correct? I did. Yeah, I immigrated when I was six and I went back basically every year almost since then. What uh, what brought you over to uh, the United States? Yeah, well, actually, um, basically the the classic story you read in textbooks. My mom wanted a a better life in the new world for her and her daughter. Um, it was actually very common right now. Now it's common for um, people in Poland to go and work in the UK or basically anything any any country that's on the euro, make money, bring it back to their family. Um, back then when I was born, it was the U S so my uncle and my biological father went to the U S to make money and come back to the family, except instead of doing that, my biological father sent back divorce papers. So my mom was like, not going to have that. And she was like, I'm going to go to U S and set up a life for, uh, you know, herself and me. And she did just that. And that's how we ended up in the U S. Uh, back in Poland, was she, um, I guess, working or what was her situation back then? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she went to school to be an engineer. I'm from Gdańsk. So, um, shipbuilding, it's a major port. Uh, she went to school to be an engineer. Uh, those credits that like educational degree did not transfer to the U S. So, um, she did tech school to learn how to do CAD. So she's not technically en an engineer here in the States. Um, but, but she is doing engineering. And does she have that lined up when she, uh, came over here or is it, okay. No. Oh no, 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 no. We were, we were actually like very close to moving. Well, I wasn't in the U S yet, but we were going to be Canadian citizens because, um, yeah, she, she was here for two years and I don't know, there was some like visa restrictions and her time was kind of coming to a close and um but she made it at work she figured it out but she we were like this close to me immigrating to Canada and setting up a life there and then what do you remember I mean I know you're I mean fairly young do you remember your time in originally in Poland do you remember your time when you first came over here what do you remember yeah I do uh I I miss that life I, in Poland, I had this life of a really big family and family dinners and 
it's now so my mom always tells me I have this like fantasy of how like amazing family is and family gatherings. And I know that family's challenging and we, you know, they fight and family gatherings aren't what they're, what they're like in my head, but that's, that's the version of family that I remember. And then when I came over, um, it was basically me, my mom and my dad, my new dad, who I met as soon as I landed. And I just remember the only sentence that I knew in English was, Hi, Daddy, I love you. But I was way too nervous to say it. Um, so I landed and my dad, technically my stepdad, but really the dad who raised me had a Bugs Bunny for me. So, yeah. Now you're you're in the States. How was, I mean, did you did you know English at the time or know any English words? No. Okay. So I literally only knew that phrase. How were you in, in school then? How were you learning English? How was assimilation to uh, the United States? Yeah, so it's funny because I don't really remember it too much. And I've actually, in the last year, I've done a lot of thinking of what impact that has had on me. My mom tells me I picked up the language within like three months. Basically, I, I started first grade like immediately and I went to a school that had an ESL program and I would spend like half the day there, which I don't remember a ton about at all. Um, but yeah, I went to first grade not knowing English and I don't really remember it being hard. I just remember, I don't know, being in school. I remember there, someone stole my erasers. I remember doing a play where I was a narrator and a chicken. <laughs> Um, but, um, communication, I think has played a really significant role as an adult. I think I've, I've had this, um, insecurity for quite some time and it's only in recent kind of in recent years that I've really worked on overcoming it. And it's that. I've always had this fear that I can't just speak off the cuff because I'm going to sound like an idiot. And I just always assume that when I speak, I don't sound intelligent. And it's been this really like deep insecurity of mine. And what I think that stems from is the challenge of communicating in a new country, not knowing the language. I also got like terribly bullied as a kid, like absolutely horrible horribly bullied. My name, it's actually spelled I-W-O-N-A. Um, so I wanna and a really bad timing on a Simpsons episode when I was in elementary school. Um, so yeah, I think that that those things for me now, when I kind of look back, I think those piece together. So you're growing up, you're, you're getting picked on a little bit in school were you were you were you an entrepreneur and that kind of thing were you kind of putting gifts together i mean was there a resemblance to what you're currently doing now or walk me through that or walk us through that yeah great question so when i think back i've actually wanted to be a business owner my entire life and it's kind of crazy i remember the earliest memory i have is in second grade I wanted to start a magazine and I, I don't know where this came from. I don't know why, 
but I just wanted to start a magazine. And I remember, I mean, it went nowhere, right? I'm in second grade. It went nowhere, but I do remember having the idea. And I remember asking my classmates if they wanted to join me in starting a magazine. Um, yeah. And then, so there was that. I mean, obviously that had nothing to do with gifting. Gifting the way I do now has been a series of pivots. Um, but, you know, between that, when I was in high school, you know how in school you do a ton of fundraisers. I never got into like the subscription magazine selling, but anytime there was a tangible product, I was all in. Um, actually still in second and third grade, um, I'm, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, so we would sell Niagara chocolate bars. And so every kid in the school would basically get this box of 10 or 12 chocolate bars. And for fun, I would walk around the neighborhood back when you could just let your kids out the door and, you know, they'd be home by sunset. And I'd go door to door selling candy bars. Like that was fun for me. And uh, same thing with suckers and um, in, in high school. Um, and then in college, I really wanted to be on a dance team. So like my natural instinct, I couldn't be on any organized dance team in college that was already set up because I didn't uh, grow up dancing. So I couldn't pick up choreography fast enough in the uh, tryouts. But I was like, God damn it, I want to be on a dance team. So I was like, great, I'll just start my own. Got some friends. We started a dance team 15, what now, 16, 17 years later. Um, it's still it's still in existence and one of the biggest dance teams on in my college on campus. In bringing people together and building something, do you, I mean, at least in that idea right there, mm -hmm. um, what was your sales pitch? I mean, you said communication was kind of been difficult for you. And in that, bringing people together, getting a, a common goal together, what was that like? Yeah, you know, I remember it being very, simple. Like when I get an idea in my head, I know that people talk about like, I had this idea and I didn't listen to the people around me who said not to do it. I've just never had that experience. I don't know if I just tune it out or if I just never ask or when I get an idea and I want to do something, I just go full force, right? Like I just take the next best step and the next best step and the next best step. So what I did was I went to some people who I knew enjoyed dancing, who were friends of mine. We had shared interests and based on their personality and their character, I was like, you know, I think they'd be into this and they could take a leadership position. So I got my leadership team together. And so me and, you know, it's like, who's going to be the secretary? Who's going to be the vice president? You know, and I just said, hey, here's my idea. Do you want to do it? And they were kind of all in. I think the most important part of that process was that they had a shared love of dance. Now you you graduate graduate school, graduate college, and you start coming work at a couple different places. Yet, where did the idea of uh, gifting made come about? Yeah. So, like I said, it was a series of pivots. So, my very, very, very first startup was Undiscovered Kitchen. And I got the idea for it while traveling. I was vegan and I was traveling in Europe for the majority of 2013. I couldn't find vegan anything anywhere. 
And I was like, ooh, great problem. And I remember thinking, here it is. I finally have it. My million dollar idea. I've been waiting my whole life for this. And uh, thank God at that point, no one told me, just so you know, Ivana, like your first idea, there's a slim to none chance that it's going to work, right? Like I was convinced I finally had my million dollar idea. So that day, I remember uh, emailing my friend who is a, an attorney. And I was like, Jess, I have my idea. I need an LLC. Let's do this. And she was like, all right, great. Sounds, sounds good, Ivana. <laughs> and uh, Undiscovered Kitchen was an e-commerce marketplace for artisan food. So product-based, um, obviously there was a gifting component. You could buy something as a gift. I incorporated gifting into it a little bit later where I made gift boxes. Um, however, I call that business my half-priced MBA because I literally did everything wrong and it cost me just as much of it as an half of an MBA would. Um, the, what did you do wrong? Oh God, everything, the revenue model. I mean, there was absolutely no way for me to make money uh, on this business. My margins were so slim. I wasn't, I wasn't getting, getting any of the product wholesale. I think if I remember I was working with makers, they would ship the product. I had the, the website. Um, I basically rebuilt a version of Etsy from scratch, which I also didn't need to because I could have white labeled some tool out there. Um, what I did wrong also was I spent a year building the website, um, which I'll never, ever, ever do again because I got so many compliments at how beautiful and amazing the website was. And it doesn't matter, right? Because if the bones and the structure and the revenue model and all of that isn't in place and working. And if you haven't tested your MVP to know that you actually have a product market fit, then I don't care how, how many years you spent building a beautiful anything. Right. Um, go ahead. What? Yeah. So in, in that, in that model is your background, did you go to school for web design or how are you picking up the, the idea of building websites? No, so I've just always been creative and visual and artistic. So what I did was when I knew I wanted to build an e-commerce marketplace, I like in my head was like, okay, it's basically like Etsy, right? Like that in my head I was envisioning. And then I took a Word document and I wrote out everything that I wanted the website to do and everything that it needed. It was like a dozen pages. I just brain dumped my entire idea, really just how the website would work. And then my partner at the time, he was also an entrepreneur and he had a website and he had worked with this team out of Bangladesh. And I was like, cool, let me connect with them. I connected with them. I don't know what I did, whether I sent them the, the Word document, you know, they kind of figured out what I needed. And then we went back and forth and here's the cool part. So on the design piece of it, in 2013, I, like I said, I traveled throughout Europe for nine months. And before I traveled, um, I made a list of all the things that someone could potentially pay me for working remotely. And I had $3,000 to my name. And on that list was graphic design. And I had never done graphic design in my whole life. But I was like, you know, I'm creative. Like, I could probably figure this out. So 
Um, I did. Uh, YouTube can teach you pretty much anything. Um, I had the, I had Photoshop. I later switched to Illustrator, um, Lynda.com, which is, a. I mean, they definitely have Illustrator tutorials and they have tutorials on a lot of different things. Um, I remember in Barcelona, I sat for three days straight. It was a 26 hour course and I just listened to the entire thing for three days straight. So I was a graphic designer and I was working with amazing brands. I have no idea. I mean, like pinch me amazing. Um, and so I just took those graphic design skills and mocked up my own like vision in my head of what I wanted the website to look like. And then I would just pass it back and forth to the designers. The, um, so you had $3,000 to your name and did you have plans of just trying to see how far that would last or what were your plans when you went to Europe? I genuinely just had absolutely no doubt that everything would work out. So $3,000 to my name. Um, I, in 2012, when I made this list and I decided to be a graphic designer, um, I made a website for myself, very basic, like Yvonne is a graphic designer now. <laughs> and I made a list of literally every single person that I knew, whether it was a friend, an acquaintance, a colleague. I think that list ended up being like 253 people. And I wrote an email and I was like, hey guys, or like, you know, hey, insert name. I think I used MailChimp. And I said, here's what I'm doing. I'm going to travel the world. And I'm in, I, I coined myself as an infographic designer because my brain works in marketing. And so I knew if I said I was a graphic designer, you could throw a rock and hit a graphic designer, right? But at the time, infographics were really hot in the marketing space. Everybody was sharing them. And so I was like, cool, I'm going to niche myself into infographic design. And that's what I said in my email. And I said, if you know anyone that needs an infographic, if you want an infographic, and from that one email, I got two projects. One was a barter and one was like 300 bucks. And I was like, this is awesome because now I basically get to become a designer while learning to become a designer with these real projects with real clients. And that's how it started. And then while I was traveling, we would go, we would go every single city country we were in, we would go to co-working spaces. And I worked a regular nine to five, but really I was working anywhere from 12 to 16 hours a day because nothing I wanted more than to be an entrepreneur. So the idea of being an entrepreneur was almost more exciting than just traveling for a year. And I, every single day, I just did something that seemed like it would grow my business. So I'd post on LinkedIn. No, I, I didn't actually post on LinkedIn. I think I like would update my LinkedIn profile. I would email people like anything I could think of that would put me in contact with a potential new client or give me some sort of visibility on the internet. Um, what, yeah. what drove you or what pushed you to be, to wanting to be an entrepreneur? Yeah, this is the thing. Like, I think I was born this, like, I, I really think it's in my blood. Like I love being a business owner. 
every like gifting made gifting every business that I've ever done like gifting made will not be the end all be all. It will evolve over time. My future vision is to be an investor and a mentor for young entrepreneurs. I will evolve, but it every day I want to wake up and do this. And I don't know why. I am just so freaking jazzed to work for myself. I love it. Was there, I mean, when you're traveling, right? When you're on the beginning of your journey, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, were there ever any moments where you worried about where the next job you would get, the next place you'd stay? I mean, what were happening in those moments? Yeah, good question. So I have never worried about money. Never, ever, 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 ever. And it's never been an issue. Like I have, I, when I lived in Boston, there would be weeks or months where my last penny would go to rent. And my friend and I, we lived together, my college, my college roommate, we moved to Boston together. We would have conversations about whether or not we wanted to buy beer or dinner. I mean, of course we chose beer, but I never worried and I never asked for any money. And I think the not worrying piece, I've become like really woo woo over the years. Like that is the key. I've just never worried and it's always worked out because I will always take the next step. And I have so much evidence of it'll just always work out, right? Like that next client will come or you'll get that unexpected refund or whatever it is. And so I was just never blocked by worry. I was never stifled by it. Still to this day, you know, I, I'm not a millionaire, but I know I will be. Like there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that I'm going to be a millionaire. And that's just what I believe to the, to the core of my being. Now, I guess going back to your, your, your business, right? Gifting made mm -hmm. for, for you, you've talked about the idea of entrepreneurship. You talked about basically positivity. You're talking about, you know, as you grow, you want to give back and so on and so forth. Right. People that I've had on this, uh, this platform before that have a kind of a similar mindset. One thing that, that usually pops up is I'm not charging enough money. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, you know, cause I just, I love what I do. I want to do this. I'm going to grow. Did you ever have that issue of trying to figure out, am I charging enough, not charging enough? What was that like for you? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. So I'll give you two examples. Back to my infographic days. I started by charging $300 per infographic. And as I, I now charge $1,250, I still do one-off projects. But the only reason I ever increased my price was because I got more confident. That was it. You know, like literally that was it. One day I charged 300 and I was like, okay, I think, I think I know what I'm doing here. Next client would come, they would, and I'd quote them 500 and then 750. Right. And it just continued to increase that way. When I launched gifting made, I was charging pennies, pennies. However, 
I got the experience, right? So the trade-off for me, like I'm not mad about it, right? Because it's a learning process. The best thing I did was hire a business coach. And it's not necessarily like my business coach, right? Like she's the reason why my price is what it is now. But it's more like she's validating, Ivana, you're really good at what you do. Like the value is there, right? So validating that my service actually has this value because my confidence just wasn't like up to speed with what I was offering. Um, but a very similar process of it's really just like wading into the pool and then eventually you get to the deep end and it's just a matter of getting more comfortable. So the price just slowly and incrementally increased um, and evolved over time as I learn. And, you know, how do you build a really powerful campaign? Like things have evolved over time. And yeah, the price increased, but not because I was necessarily changing what I was doing, but simply because I got confident in the value I was providing. How do you how do you remind yourself of of the value of the confidence? I mean, in those moments where maybe someone laughs at base of the cost or shoots back at the cost. I mean, how do you remind yourself in those moments of that confidence? Yeah. So continuing to work with my business coach is really, really key. And, it, you know, that piece of it is really about getting really comfortable in the sales world of rejection. Like, I feel like I'm really comfortable in like life rejection and failing. Like I will, we fail every single day and I'm very comfortable with the word failure and using it that we also succeed every single day. Right. But in a sales scenario, that's the nature of sales. Right. So when I started um, B2B selling and selling directly to people and having sales calls, it was awful. I mean, every single time someone would say no, like the emotional withdrawal from that was terrible, right? You feel like the shittiest human, like you have absolutely no value to add to this world. The only thing that helps you get over that is by having a whole lot of sales calls. It's just repetition. And I remember a mentor of mine told me that and I didn't really like believe it. And then um, a couple years ago, I basically had, I booked between connection calls and sales calls and one quarter I had 180 phone calls. And, and they weren't all sales calls, but obviously every conversation, you're talking about yourself, you're talking about your service, you're getting to know people. And having calls back to back to back to back and just hearing no, 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 no. And then a yes and a no, 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 no. Eventually you just become like a bouncing board and it's like, okay, cool. It's not for you. And I had to learn and really understand and be aware that it has nothing to do with me. It literally has nothing to do with me. No, I mean, yeah, I totally. I totally agree with you. I mean, I think we take things too personal sometimes and realize, you know what, the, no doesn't mean basically no to me. It just means no to the product or no at that time. Um, yeah. If we were talking, oh, go ahead, sorry, you say? Well, I was going to say one thing because now I find that some conversations I have where I get a no, my instinct getting off that call is I'm so mad. 
right? And then I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's going on here? It's not because you got to know something else happened. And there's been a few times where I think back and I have a conversation with someone who very clearly does not understand what I do and does not see the value. And I'm growing the confidence and just boundary sort of muscle where I can now look back at that conversation and pinpoint Ivana, instead of this conversation being 45 minutes at minute 18, when it was very clear that this isn't going to be a good fit for either of you, you really should have said, Hey, you know what, based on what you're saying and based on what I'm hearing, I actually don't think this would be a great fit for either of us. So I'm going to release you and I want you to have an amazing day. If I think of anyone that could be of value to you based on what you need and what you desire, I'm going to think about it and I'm going to shoot you an email. But yeah, I don't, you know, it's just not a great fit and let's just save the time. Right. And then I'm like, okay, cool. The opportunity of that phone call, instead of being angry was I'm going to learn this lesson where next time when that happens again, now I can just say that. Because now I felt like I've wasted so much time, right? But I have the ability to use my voice. That piece I'm learning. Well, it's, I guess it's similar to the idea that if your partner is going to break up with you, you break up with them first. <laughs> sort of that. like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. If, if we were talking, let's say in five years from now, Ivana, uh, yeah. where are you going to be? Where's your company going to be? And I know you kind of talked about it briefly already. You want to kind of be giving back and kind of helping out. But I mean... Yeah, so I have this vision where Gifting Made is voted one of the happiest places to work. And when I think of what Gifting Made will be like, it's very energy-based. There's a very high, positive, amazing energy, big office, lots of creativity, an inspiration station, and people are just really excited because at the core of my business, I get to make people feel loved, right? And that's really cool. So I envision a huge team, an amazing office, lots of positivity. And then, you know, I've run my entire entrepreneurial career. It's been pivot after pivot after pivot. And the pivot within Gifting Made, the pivots that have happened so far, it's only been to when I see what's what's the more value I can offer that business owners really need. So I do actually see gifting made taking personalization in-house and having a really amazing workshop where we're engraving and doing all these things and taking a lot of that in-house versus having to outsource. Um, and then I see, I see, um, really being one of the industry leaders for relationship building. You talked about the idea of, <clears throat> of pivoting a couple times. Yeah. How do you weigh the idea of, of pivoting because you don't feel you're going the right direction, but also compared to having faith in what you're doing? How do you weigh those two things? Yeah. So when I initially pivoted from Undiscovered Kitchen to Gourmet Wedding Gifts, which was effectively working with the same makers, but going from like 
we just sell anything and everything to anyone and everyone to we sell wedding gifts and favors, but we work with similar makers. The pivot was easy because I saw the value in niching, right? And I saw that I could have a better revenue model, but letting go of, of Undiscovered Kitchen was really hard. It was the hardest thing I've, I've like ever had to do. When I let go of gourmet wedding gifts for gifting made, it was also extremely difficult. It was like this, it's, it's like you're killing your baby, right? Or giving it away. Um, but within gifting made, the number one thing that I should have done a long time ago, you know, when people say like, what's the one piece of advice you have for entrepreneurs? I have heard about customer interviews forever right? Interview your customers, see what they actually need. Don't just build something, right? Build something that people need. So when I launched Gifting Made, I didn't do that, right? I just had an idea. As soon as I launched it, I then did customer interviews where I asked business owners, why are you gifting? Why is this important? Why is it something that you value? And all the information that they gave me, I fully agreed with and realized I don't have a business that can do that. <laughs> it cannot satisfy those needs, right? And so at that point, I was like, oh, duh, right? If this is what people actually need, they're telling me, then let's scrap this. And so now pivoting for me means what is the actual market need, not what I assume. So talking to people and understanding what it is that they want, what is it, what they need, and then what it is that they're willing to actually pay for, right? Is it is there a, a quantified number of saying, okay, well, we're going to interview 100 people, we're going to or interview 50 of our last basic customers, or what's that number look like when you go, okay, I need to really assess, am I going the right direction? in this thing. Yeah. I mean, anything that I've ever heard on customer interviews, number one, they should be done like talking to people. Surveys are, are not the same. Um, I mean, you should be doing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I'm just one person. So I, you know, I did dozens and, but what's interesting is depending on what you're asking or what you're seeking or what you want to figure out, every single one of my conversations boiled down to the exact same information. Right. So at some point I was like, okay, right. You, there's a bit of intuition. Like I could have been wrong, obviously. Right. But you know, you weigh the time you weigh the, I'm also like a, just go for it kind of person. Right. Cause what I've learned is you can always change right? Whether it's your pricing, whether it's your offer. I've definitely learned that like, it's just now, not forever. And a lot earlier, I thought it was forever, right? So I better make the best decision right now, because this is it. And that's just not reality. So I go into everything now as this is an experiment. And I can change it at any time. If it's not working, I can optimize it. Well, I appreciate you, Ivana, for, for being here. Um, thank you for, for telling us about your journey. If someone's listening right now and they're looking to find a way to, to stay top of mind with, with their clients, what's the best way of them finding your website or even reaching out to yourself? Yeah. 
So gifting made, M-A-D-E, like gifting made easy, but giftingmade.com. My email is Ivana at giftingmade.com. Those are the best ways to reach out. Yeah, again, thank you, Ivana, for being here. I know people listening right now, sometimes it seems like the world's falling apart and maybe it might not be as as easy as uh, Ivana talks about just having faith in what you're doing. Um, I mean, look at the bright spots, look at the, the hurdles you've already overcome and use that to say, hey, you know what? I did this, I did that, and I can do what I'm gonna do right now. So thank you, Ivana, again, for being here. Hopefully everyone, please subscribe, please share, and go uh, find Ivana. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.